Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here's Shahan J. Haraja and Babak Hayeri. Hello, everybody. This is the College Football Survivor Show, where we are all about the race for the College Football Playoff Championship. I'm Bob Akairi, and I'm joined by the infinitely informed Shehan Jayaraja, National College Football Writer for CBS Sports. You can find us on X and TikTok at CFB Survivor Show, where we have video highlights of the show, run polls, and you can always send us feedback. As a podcast, we always appreciate it when you take a moment to like, rate, and subscribe to our show wherever you find us. Good reviews help people find more. <laughs> We're on a mission to find the ultimate survivor in the college football playoff race with a pair of playoff games coming up on January 1st. We continue our series going through each playoff team with those who cover them in depth. Today, we're going to be looking at the number one college football playoff ranked team, Michigan. Jihan, I don't know about you, but I have a notice of level one excitement for this matchup. How are you? How about you? <laughs> I do, too. I do, too. You know, obviously, Michigan, I think this year uh, in a lot of the year has been the I don't want to say like least challenged, but they've been the, the most perfect team. I think that you can say for most of the season, they've uh, they haven't played very many close games. They've handled their business every single week. I'm really curious to kind of get into the weeds because you know, obviously, this is Michigan's third time in the playoff, and certainly it would be great if it was their first time to, to win a playoff game. Absolutely. There's so many stories going on here. But let me go ahead and introduce our guest. We are joined again by Aaron McMahon, the chief beat writer for the University of Michigan football program at M Live Media Group, where he's worked since 2014. He took the Michigan football beat in 2017 and has served as an authoritative voice on Jim Harbaugh's Wolverines, garnering several awards. We're Happy to have him back. Last time we spoke was ahead of the game with Penn State when we thought we'd finally get to see what these Wolverines were made of, the head coach or not. And this time with the head coach uh, going into this game. Aaron, thanks for joining us again. Guys, it's good to be back. Uh, you know, pl- as you guys said, third straight year for Michigan. I-, I think they're eager to finally get over the hump and win a game. It- it's going to be back with you. You know, one thing I wanted to mention, and I know I said this right before we went on the air, but pound for pound, the most adventurous beat this season in college football has to have been covering the Michigan Wolverines. Like the story never ends. We thought there was a bit of a calm. And then the NCAA comes out with, you know, something about a cheeseburger during the COVID years. But I mean, you know, it's just it's constant, this churn. Um, and it's funny, too, because I was thinking we were getting a playoff run, even though they're not in the college football playoff by Florida State in terms of offseason news or just news in general that was going to make up this gap. but. Man, Michigan just does not give. I mean, they they you know we were talking about. I mean, you just wrote a story about Alabama hiring, of course, a, a former Michigan assistant coach. You know that there's just so much of an adventure going around there. But at the same time, they're trying to focus on getting into the playoff and finally winning at least one round. It's it's absolutely um, a fascinating thing for you. What's been what is the tone of the program right now? Well, I I, I think. I, I hesitate to say this, but maybe cautious optimism. I mean, as I just said, they've been, this is their third straight playoff appearance, and they haven't been able to win a semifinal game. And I, I think there's a need and desire to do that. Um, as you said, they've, this, this team's been through a lot this year. Uh, they've lost assistant coaches. Their head coach was sidelined for six games. Um, you know, they've they've dealt with injuries and everything else. And it's it seems like every obstacle that's been put in front of them, they've been able to overcome. And and so far, I mean. It, you, you know, you, you can't you can't write them off. I mean, the thirteen and zero Big Ten champions again. Um, they're the number one seed for the first time. So the the, the college football world, at least the playoff committee, ha, has respected them and, and the and the job that they've done on the field. So 
Um, I, you know, I, I think they're eager to prove folks wrong. I think that's kind of been the tenor of the, of the program all season long, right? Like they came into the year knowing Jim Harbaugh is going to be sidelined and they're under NCAA investigation. Um, they lose assistant coaches. They lose Harbaugh again and they're under the Big Ten probe. Um, it, it just seems like it's been one thing after another and still they've, they've come out on the, 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 the right side every, every single time. You know, after 13 games, uh, you know, how do you kind of compare this Michigan team versus the last two? Yeah, that's a good question, because I think in some areas they're better than maybe last year and then some areas not so much. So, you know, I guess we'll start on the offensive side of the ball. I, I do think this is probably Michigan's best, uh, the best year they've gotten quarterback play. I think JJ McCarthy is obviously better than he was last year. He's more dynamic. They've kind of added a, uh, you know, uh, added dimension to his, his game with his, with his legs, I think has helped. Um, at the same token, you know, the bread and butter of the Michigan offense that they've kind of built the last couple of years around the ground game, maybe hasn't been as effective. You know, I don't think this offense line has been as good as it's been the last couple of years. Uh, they've been rotating guys in and out. They've been dealing with injuries. I just don't think the play top to bottom is, has been as good. Um, but then they've gotten, I think, better play from the receivers. So the offense has been a mixed bag, whereas the defense, I think this might be cohesively as a unit the, the best that they've had in the last couple of years. You know, and that and that's and that's that's saying something because you can remember they had a Aiden Hutchinson a couple of years ago. It was a, it was a, you know top. It was a top draft pick. They had another first round pick in David Ajabo. So I, I think. As a unit, they're more well-oiled. I think they got some ex- ex- exceptional playmakers on the back end. So I think this defense is better than it's ever been, and I think this offense is better in certain areas, but not necessarily where you think. And I, and I think that's been, I think, maybe the the biggest surprise to this Michigan team. You know, heading into this, their third, again, their third time at the Apple, or at the, at the very least, the uh, the final step to the Apple. Um, we look back at the last two times they were in the playoffs. Obviously, that first time, they were a bit outmatched by Georgia. Second time, they just had critical mental mistakes against TCU, especially uh, JJ McCarthy. How are they? Is there a difference in how they're preparing for this particular semifinal? Because you figure at this point, third time might be a charm, or at the very least, they have uh, they have a pattern to work with. Yeah, they, they, they've say they, they've kind of changed up the routine. Uh, you know, they, they started practice uh, about a, a week and a half ago now. Um, it, it sounds like there's less hitting to begin to, to begin things. Um, I don't know exactly what it looks like because obviously we're not privy to practice. We're allowed in the doors. But based on what they've told us, yes, it's kind of been a slower build. Uh, you know, th- this time last year, Michigan was an incredibly banged up unit. Uh, you know, Blake Corm was injured and out. The guys, uh, you know, along the offensive line banged up. So I, I think they've learned from the last couple of years that maybe a slower build is better than maybe go all out practice. Because um, if you go back two years ago and, and players kind of on the team now admit it, admit it they'll tell it to us but you know at that point i think they were just happy to get to the playoff you know they'd never been before they just won their first big 10 championship under jim harbaugh so in a way it was it was kind of a vacation the game was in south florida so i think they were kind of eating it up they were enjoying the warm weather and everything else and they didn't really know what to expect and and you're right on the field they were just overmatched i mean georgia was by far the best team that year um they really had no there was no you know, no, no real shot. Last year, they went, went into the game against TCU and the Fiesta Bowl as the favorite. I think everyone and their brother picked Michigan to win that game. And it turned out to be a track meet. It was something Michigan wasn't really prepared to play in, something that they weren't equipped to play in. And, and you're right, they shot themselves in the foot. J.J. McCarthy throws a pair of pick sixes. Um, they fumbled the goal line. Uh, you know, they, they they settled for field goals instead of touchdowns, ended up losing that game by, by a possession. So, um, it wasn't really the Michigan team we had seen all season long. So the last two years on this stage, they've really stumbled. I, I think they acknowledge that. 
Um, you know, and, and really, if you go back to Jim Arbaugh's real entirety here at, here at Michigan, you know, he's one in six in bowl games. They, they really struggle on, on the big stage. And I think they, they, they know that. What do you think it is uh, about, you know, whether it's a Harbaugh team, whether it's about the way that this team is built, that, you know, when, when you are going to this national stage, when you do have a month to prepare, why, why do you think it hasn't worked right? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, I think it comes down to like, and players were talking about this this week, maybe overanalyzing things and overpreparing and overthinking. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I think there's something to that. And uh, in, in, in the way the players were talking this week, it almost made it sound like maybe they felt like they overpracticed last year leading up to the game against TCU. Maybe that, you know, they did too much. Uh, and, you know, and they spoke about it after the game last year where I think that TCU pulled out some stuff that they weren't prepared for either. Uh, so in a way, I think there's there's something kind of leaning back on what got you to this point and, and trusting the players and trusting your scheme and your ability. And and I think that's probably what they're going to do this year. I mean, they, they are slight favorites right now, um, but I think the, the general public, you know, perceives the SEC this year as, as being just top to bottom better than the Big Ten. So I think there's this assumption going in that maybe Florida is the more physical, b- bigger team and maybe Michigan has trouble. And so I, I'm really curious to see how that plays out. You know, Michigan has struggled historically against SEC programs. Uh, not only did they lose to Georgia a couple of years ago, but they lost to Alabama in the Citrus Bowl uh, pretty convincingly back in 2020. So obviously different teams, different personnel, but, um, you know, th- th- there's no doubt about it. Nick Saban has excelled at this level. Uh, I think he's six and one in CFP semifinal games, so he knows how to prepare. Uh, and he said this, you know, this month as well, leading up to this game, where he's acknowledged too that looking back on you know previous appearances, he thinks they practice too much too. So I, I think there's this, you know, slow build for both programs, and I think they're going to kind of so they can let it all out in January first. You know, the way you've talked about it, it, and I don't want to get too far ahead, but you've made me realize it would be very interesting now to see how they would react to a 12-team playoff if they were to get into that, because then it'll be a much shorter preparation period. You don't have those weeks to get into your own head. And then, you know, again, with TCU, oh, we didn't prepare for this, you know, maybe. And just, you know, there's this kind of panic on the sideline. Um, My goodness. But drilling back down to this particular game coming up, um, you know, we've talked about what how different is J.J. McCarthy than the person we saw against TCU? I, I think he's a year older, more mature, and that's probably the obvious answer here. But I, I, think, I do think it's cut down some of the mistakes he's made. Uh, last year, you know, he was his first year starter, and at times you could make the case he was a little wild with his decision-making. Uh, he'd make a throw maybe he shouldn't have. He'd make a decision he shouldn't have. And and while he's done that occasionally this year, it hasn't been as often. Uh, he had a three-interception game against Bowling Green, and that was really the only blunder on his year. Uh, he's, he's otherwise played exceptionally well. Uh, you know, his, his completion rates near 75%. His quarterback rating is off the charts, I think third in the country. So from what they've asked him to do, he's been relative, relatively effective. Now he doesn't, doesn't have the, maybe the passing yards that some of the other premier quarterbacks in the country have just by kind of default by nature of the Michigan offense, they're still running the, the football at a 60% clip. Uh, so they're just not utilizing him as much. And then the second part of that, I think, is his legs. I think he's gotten smarter and better about utilizing them and knowing when to utilize them. Um, you know, he's not afraid to pick up a first down. I mean, he's a mobile quarterback. Uh, you know, he's I wouldn't I, I wouldn't call him necessarily a dual threat, but he has the athletic ability to, to take off when he needs to and pick up those yards to, to, to get a first down and and just kind of uh, you know move the move Michigan down the field. You know, for me, when I look at Michigan, when I look at this game, I mean. Again, it's hard not to look at the the last couple of these things, right? And I think for me, when I look at that Iowa game, 
after Zach Zinter goes out, right? I mean, they rush under two yards per carry. Their offense, I mean, they're, they're lucky that Florida State was playing on that day because their offense kind of looked like a mess and it kind of got lost in everything. Uh, you know, even last year, though, against TCU, right? After that first Donovan uh, Edwards rush, kind of struggled to move the ball on the ground, wasn't able to move the ball on the ground against Georgia. So, I mean, I think my question with this is, if Michigan gets off schedule with the run, right? If Alabama is able to cause them issues, like, what, what do they do? Like, like, do they have another gear? Do they have another plan to, to kind of make up for that? Yeah, it, it's a good question. I, I certainly think they're going to, they would try to throw the football, but I, I think that would play right into Alabama's hands, right? You've got a couple of uh, really three excellent defensive backs back there, potential first round picks. And I, I don't necessarily think that's how Michigan wants to win the football game. Um, I, ideally, they get up, they, they move the football, or they run the football in between the tackles. Uh, they kind of control the clock and tempo. That's that's ideally Michigan's game offensively. Hasn't always worked, um, but it has when they it, they you know they needed it to against Penn State uh, at times against Ohio State. So it, it certainly wouldn't benefit Michigan. I, I think they're still going to get up get up to line of scrimmage and ideally want to run the football. But the same token too, as I was pointing out earlier, like I, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be effective either, just because Michigan's offense line isn't what it was the last couple of years coming into the year. Uh, and then you mentioned Zach Sinner being out for the year, out for the season with a season-ending injury. So they've had to do some shuffling up front. It hasn't looked, it didn't look very good against Iowa. Uh, you know, we spoke to the offensive line coach, offensive coordinator Sean Moore this week, and he said they're they're doing different things. The offensive line in practice, he obviously wouldn't go into detail. So uh, I think they realize they need they need better push up front, and, and that's the trenches are really going to how they, they're going to win this game. I think uh, if they could run the football relatively well eat up clock and keep the football out of Jalen Monroe's hands. That's the ideal scenario here. Now, you know, last year, that's what they wanted to do. Like you said, they couldn't do it and they got into a track meet and you saw what happened. So um, it, it's, I don't know, it's going to, this game is going to be on Blake Corbin's hand in, in kind of on his shoulders. Uh, you know, he, he really didn't play the last couple of years in the bowl games. Uh, he was out injured this year. He's healthy. So, you know, and he was the one that kind of, you know, began the whole national title or bus talk before the season. So I think there's a lot of pressure on him in the run game. Donovan Edwards is going to have to show up. And, and I said it a couple of days ago, but I, I do think they're going to have to have the, the game of their, their career, I think. No pressure <laughs> in the in the in the final year of a, of a conceptual Rose Bowl that is close. That's probably as close as we're going to get to what they historically were. You know, another thing that struck me as we talk about this, of course, it's we have to always kind of benchmark the fact that Michigan is playing some of the best defenses in the nation. We were just talking, as you mentioned, the SEC has a reputation of being strong, but we we don't know until these bowl games really how good the how good these leagues were. You know, heading in, into the season, um, you know, early on we were all talking about how amazing the Pac-12. What if Washington goes and lays an egg? We're kind of like, oh, okay, I guess maybe that was the best that they had. Um, but going towards this, going towards sort of you know how Michigan can adapt to what's going on with Alabama. How much of an of are we going to see guys like Colston Loveland and AJ Barner, those great tight ends kind of be implemented to create some mismatches in the especially among the linebackers in Alabama. Yeah, I think when it comes to the passing game, I think the utilization of the tight ends is going to be key. Michigan hasn't been afraid to use them the last couple of years really under Jim Harbaugh's entire tenure. He he's kind of built the the back and the, the passing game on the tight ends. So when that, you know, the receivers on the outside aren't open or aren't getting separation, you could always, you know, rely on, on the guys over the middle of the tight ends. So Colson Lovin will be a uh, you know, a key uh, playmaker in this game. You know, Dick Saban actually you know, singled them out, I think, earlier this week. I think they realize that. They acknowledge that. 
Um, and, and look, Melvin showed up in big games before. I mean, he, he had a, you know, he's, he's, he's played well this year, especially early on. Uh, he played well last year in the Big Ten Championship game and, and you know, obviously in the playoff too. So, um, you know, for only being a sophomore, he's, he's a lot more mature than, than maybe he comes across or maybe he looks on paper. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be key. I mean, getting guys open over the middle of the field, avoiding the edges, right? Like, Alabama's defensive ends are elite. Their quarterbacks are elite. So I think Michigan has to do everything that the possible to avoid the outside and attack the middle of the field, whether that's on the ground or over the middle of the field with the slant routes or the tight ends or anything else. So I, I think if Michigan's effective in, in the passing game, that's, that's certainly where it's going to be with the tight ends. You know, obviously, after the playoff matchups were announced, there was that video that went around of Michigan once they saw that Alabama was the team that they're going to be playing. I I don't know if you were in the room for that or if if you got to talk to them after that. What was that? I mean, do you feel like that was overblown? Do you feel like they really didn't want that in the first round? What kind of was that? Yeah, I do think it was overblown. I I was in the room with them. They let us in and we watched, you know, the whole ceremony with them and, and, I will point out when when they were because if you remember to go back and watch the telecast, they were uh, announced as number one seed before the bull matchups were announced. And I can tell you when they were unveiled as number one seed, there wasn't much of a reaction either. So I, I think it was more of a hangover, more or less, from the end of the Big Ten championship game. You got to remember that was noon Eastern time when that was announced. They played in the Big Ten championship game, championship game the night before. It didn't end until about midnight Eastern time. They didn't get back to the hotel until two or three. And from what I was told. Many of them probably didn't go to bed till four or five. So you got a lot of like starry-eyed guys in there who were just eating breakfast. So I, yeah, I, I think it was more or less just the, the hangover from from the night the night before. Now I will say, in talking to the guys afterwards, they were a bit surprised it wasn't Florida State. I, I think, but I, I do think that going in there, I mean, it was well known it was either going to be Florida State or Alabama. So I mean, ideally they probably wanted to play Florida State. Certainly a better matchup for them. But, you know, you, you got the vibe pretty quickly. They were excited. I mean, Blake Corn was even talking. Like, he's got a high school teammate, Chris Braswell, uh, on the Alabama side. He was looking forward to playing. So I think it was overblown because, um, again, I, compared to how, when they were reacted, they were unveiled as number one seed, and it was, it was very similar. Yeah, he's going to have a, a fun game to go up against his old teammate as well as uh, <laughs> uh, as well as Dallas Turner on the other side of the ball. But you know, going over to to the Michigan defense because, as you said, it just seems overall it's it's a solid. It's one of the best defenses out there, and it, it's it's kind of funny because we don't necessarily. We were talking about Texas earlier with you know they've got a couple of guys who you know by name and you immediately reach for them. But one of the things and one of the tasks that we we should talk about is how. Michigan's going to go about containing Jalen Milrow because he's probably the most explosive quarterback that the Wolverines have faced. He has an ability to to run around and throw it, and that has been historically something that has been a problem uh, for Michigan. What what approach should we expect to see from the Wolverines in doing that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, they they've played one of the mobile quarterback this year, and Talia Tagovailoa at Maryland. So I I don't know how how much of a comparison there is. I mean, we've asked players this week about those guys, and, and, and that's kind of what they've leaned on in preparation so far. They, they've went back and watched Alabama, or Maryland film, obviously, on top of Alabama. So they, they have had experience going against a mobile quarterback. They did a decent job against Talia. Uh, he, he really hurt them last year, and I think they learned from this year. So I think there is something to lean on, but obviously Jalen Mill is probably a little bit different beast. I mean, he is a better, I think, a better overall quarterback. He has gotten better as the season go, has gone on. So I, I, I think obviously keeping an eye on him and, and, and tackling him at the, at the point of contact is going to be key. Um, you know, in, in 
Look, I, I, I think, and I think there's this realization too that Melrose does like to hold on to the football a long time. So I think one of the things that Michigan's defense has done a very good job of this year is is forcing turnovers and, and getting the football out. And I, I think that there's one area where they can exploit Alabama and specifically Milroe, it's the turnovers. Um, you know, their offensive line's given up a lot of sacks. Part of that is Milroe holding on to the football a lot. He's thrown a handful of interceptions himself and, and fumbled the football. So I, I think cat tackling is going to be key. Um, he's going to get his yards. I think they acknowledge that, but it's not, you know, letting a, a uh, you know, a, a four or five yard gain turn into an eight, nine, 10, or, or, you know, even worse. So uh, they have experience doing it, uh, obviously not maybe against this different, this, this type of offensive line. And, and really that's been the difficult part this week. It, kind of the revelation of talking to some of the Michigan players. And while they're trying to simulate preparing for Jalen, Jalen Milrow and they have experience doing so, it's been more difficult simulating against the, the size of the Alabama offensive line. So I, I think that's going to be the key to watch here, how Michigan's defensive front is able to hold up or get get push on that, that offense, the Alabama offensive line. Yeah, I mean, this two-year run, uh, obviously Michigan cancels the UCLA series, so that's part of the, the scheduling quirks of the last two years. But, but, I mean, like, how much do you think, I don't want to say has it affected Michigan, but the fact that, I mean, they basically have only played two quality games to this point. I mean, you know, next year we're going to get to see them play a couple more of these things, right? We're going to see the USC's. We're going to get to see, you know, j- just a different kind of matchup. But like, I mean, you mentioned uh, the top quarterbacks they faced. I mean, Talia is is a good player. I, I mean, nothing that that they've kind of faced otherwise really prepares them for this. I mean, do, do you, why, how do you think that kind of affects that team? And how do you think, like you said, are, are they preparing for it? Yeah, I think we're going to find out, right? If Michigan's for real, once we're on this big stage, part of it obviously is, is scheduling, right? They, the last two years, they're, they've gotten knocked for their non conference scheduling. And, and uh, as you said, they've gotten out of uh, key series, UCLA. Uh, they were supposed to, I think, play with Virginia Tech last year. So it's, they've certainly traded those marquee non conference matchups for, you know, quote unquote easier games, you know, not you know, basically guaranteed victories. And obviously that's what they turned into. Now, part of it too is I, I just, I think the Big Ten was down this year, top to bottom. I think any, any outside, you know, uh, observer will tell you that. I, I don't think the Big Ten was as good as they have been in previous years. Ohio State wasn't the offense that they were the last couple of years. Penn State was, was not very good offensively. The, the quality of the quarterback play wasn't, wasn't great. So you're right. Michigan just hasn't had a lot to draw upon. Uh, and maybe necessarily challenge them a ton. So that's why I'm curious to see, and it's really been difficult to kind of project this game because I, I think Alabama's on a different level, top to bottom. I, I think the SEC is, is better than the Big Ten. I don't think there's many folks that are going to, at least this year, that are going to debate that. And how Michigan's style of play translate is going to be key to watch because, yes, I mean, this, these are big, physical, better, probably better players than they've seen all, all season long. And how they hold up against them is, is going to be interesting because, yeah, while, while maybe some of them don't have the numbers like the receivers or the running backs that maybe Michigan's guys have, it, you can make the case they've gone against better competition. So uh, that's why they line up and play the game. And I think we're going to find out pretty quickly if Michigan's uh, you know uh, able to, to hold up. You know, on the 2021 team, uh, you mentioned it before, but Aiden Hutchinson, J- David Ojabo, two of the best edge rushers in the country, super dynamic players. You know, to me, from afar, it feels like the Michigan strengths have really been linebacker and, and some of these secondary pieces, too. How do you feel like they match up for, uh, when it comes to, like, setting an edge and keeping Jill Milrow in the pocket? Because, I mean, obviously, once things get out of the pocket with him, it, it's just kind of anything goes at that point. Yeah, yeah. So they don't really have the elite edge rusher this year. Uh, and I think they they realize that. They realized that before the season 
began. And, and it's one of the reasons why they've kind of gone to this, this rotational system. They, they use four edge rushers regularly to the point where they get basically even number of snaps in the game. Uh, so it, it's A, to, I think, give opponents a different look and B, keep their guys fresh so that they're not playing, you know, 30, 40 snaps a game and they're able to split those up. So, you know, you'll see two edge rushers one series and the next series you might see two others and they have no problem, you know, uh, wrote, you know, subbing in and out even during a, a lengthy drive. So it, it's one of those things where I think they're going to have to keep their guys fresh. Um, you know, uh, and, 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 and get them and try and maximize their value because you're right. There, there is no Aiden Hutchinson. There is no David Jabba or first round pick. I mean, Jalen Harrell's probably the best of the bunch. And right now, he, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he comes back for another year. Uh, so it, that's going to be key. I, I think they're going to have to hold, set the edge, keep their eye on Milrow and, and not let him get too far outside the pocket and make something happen. Because at the end of the day, that's where the Alabama offense is going to burn you. And, and that's where Michigan doesn't want to get into a track meet and, and give up too many points because ideally, you know, I, I, you know, if they get in a track meet like they did last year against TCU, it's probably not going to work out well. Yeah, speaking of, of uh, uh, Jalen Harrell and, and that entire crew, it seems like we're going to see an interesting matchup uh, on the line with Caden Proctor because, you know, the freshman, he's been decent, but for Alabama, that's that's he's been a weak spot in that line. Um how much? I mean, how do you see that matchup going? Because that that we're, if we're talking about some of the key matchups, and we can talk about more, but watching that, how they can get that pressure. Because if you can create that pressure, you can create that stress and and perhaps throw Milrow off. How do you see that going? Yeah, I mean, if if Michigan's going to get pressure, it's probably going to be right on Proctor. Like, as you said, the offensive line has at times been shaky. Their tackles have have had you know issues. I think they probably got they've gotten better as season's gone on. But yeah, I mean, Harold will be key, right? <clears throat> he's Michigan sacks leader. He's really good at getting pressure. Um, he's probably the most experienced of, of the group of four guys that they they kind of rotate in there. Uh, so I, if the pressure's going to come, it's probably going to come from him. So. Um, it'll be key. I, I think the mo- more pressure, and then this is it's probably an obvious statement, the more pressure Michigan get on Milrow, the better. I mean, you got to make his life as, as, as uncomfortable as possible. You don't want to give him time in the pocket because the longer you do, obviously, the, the, the more, the better, you know, the more likely they're going to make a play and he's going to make a play. Uh, and they, they've learned that, as I said, they, they went up against Talia. Uh, they have placed, they have, you know, they have had experience more against mobile quarterbacks. So I think they, they know how, to, what's, what it's going to take. But knowing what it's going to take and actually executing it are, are two different things once you get in the field. So this is kind of a big picture question, but should I be concerned about the fact that in essentially their two biggest games of the year, they went away from their quarterback? Like, like should I be concerned about that? Yeah, I think part of the design for doing that was was J.J. McCarthy's health. Uh, he was banged up. He's been playing on a bum ankle now for, for several weeks. Um, he says he's healthy now. I don't necessarily know if I buy it because a few weeks ago, before the, you know, the, the Ohio State game, he was say, he said he was fine too. So uh, it's all going to come down to McCarthy's health. I th- I think if he's if he's able to move in and in and out of the pocket, uh, and, and is relatively healthy, I, I think they feel like they have a, a longer leash with him. They can kind of let him do more. Um, but I, I do think they're protecting him there. Uh, and remember the Penn State game that Michigan got up early. Uh, and at that point, Jim or Jim Harbaugh was not on the sideline. It was it was Sharon Moore running the offense, and Sharon's the offensive line coach. He likes to run the football, and that was kind of you know he saw that what was working, and they figured well because Penn State can't stop it, we're just going to keep doing it. Throw in the, the fact that JJ was hurt, and they don't want to risk you know Aim Tech taking a sack, 
uh, you know, exacerbating the injury. So I think it's come down to McCarthy's health. If they feel like they can do more with him, they're going to. If not, they're going to do more to protect him and, and try and run the football. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think J.J. McCarthy is probably the difference maker here. He's probably going to determine whether Michigan wins or loses this game, and not necessarily with his arm. I, I do think his legs are are key here. If he can if he can strain and get get outside the pocket pocket. Um, you know, force Alabama to kind of do some different things and, and, and you know, make some mistakes, uh, it's going to help. Uh, so I, I think that was more the reason that they went away from him, less so than maybe by, by you know, the offensive design. You know, it kind of goes to, I know he's been nursing an injury through the season that's limited his mobility a little bit. Um, both that and what other, I mean, should we expect him to be able to be at the at the at that level where he can move on his feet more by the time we get to the Rose Bowlers? I mean, I know part of it is I, I get you keep those things close to the vest if you're a coach, but uh, from what you've seen, have you seen enough improvement that we should expect some more mobility from him? It's tough. I will say this, you know, after the Big Ten Championship game, you know, when we were there for the 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 CFP unveiling with the team, you know, JJ looked like he was hopping around. Now that was December third. Uh, we did talk to him earlier this week. He seemed fine. Uh, but again, we're not privy to practice. We're not able to see. So uh, th- that time will tell, I guess. You know, th- the good thing for him in Michigan is they basically have four weeks to, 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 to you know, to, to kind of nurse that. They had a week off after the Big Ten Championship game where they did not practice. They didn't do anything. And I think players were given time off. So that probably helped him. Uh, he says he's fine, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. He's been saying he's fine for a month and a half, and Michigan has kind of, you know, uh, shied away from maybe fully maximizing his his potential. You know, heading into this matchup with Alabama, I, I mean, if this goes well, what does this look like for Michigan? If this goes poorly, what does this look like for Michigan? And what do you kind of think happens? Yeah, if it goes well, they'd run the football. Blake Corum probably eclipsed the 100-yard mark. In fact, you know, a little nugget, he's one touch, rushing touchdown away from setting the Michigan all-time record for rushing touchdowns. So that's something to pay attention to. If they get inside the red zone or, you know, get down the goal line, he's going to get the football. Uh, that's kind of been the story of the MO all year. So they're going to have to run the football. I, I, not necessarily for, you know, two or 300 yards, but they've got to sustain some drives with on the ground. Uh, hit some deep shots, you know, not, not necessarily, you know, 40, 50 yarder, but they've got to be, got to be able to, to connect on a couple times. I, I, I think if they can stress Mich- or Alabama's defensive backs, I, I think that's going to be key. And then, as you guys mentioned earlier, using, utilizing the tight ends. Uh, I, I think if Colson Loveland can get three or four catches for 70, 80 yards and, and keep drives aligned, alive, that's going to be crucial. Um, and, and then defensively, uh, limiting the big place. I think Mil- when Milrow and Alabama's offense is effective, and I think they're top 10 in the country in, in, in plays of like 20 yards or more. So if they can limit those, I, I think, and keep Alabama out of the end zone, I, I think that's that's ideal situation. Holding the field goals as opposed to touchdowns. It's kind of been the the you know the 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 model of the Michigan defense the last couple of years been no break. They will give up they will give up yards, they will allow teams to drive the field, but when push comes to shove, either force a turnover or a full new field goal. So I, I think ideally that's, that's what happens if Michigan wins that they lose. I, I think any one of those will have to go wrong where like they're not running the football at all, or they're giving up touchdowns and, and, and big plays uh, that will probably bury them. I, I Michigan hasn't been in many situations this year where they've had their backs against the wall and where they've, they've kind of had to come from behind. They've led most of the way. Uh, even even going back to the, the you know the Ohio State game, they led most of that game, and they kind of dictated the pace and dictated things. Uh, so I, I, if they're fall behind early, that's going to be trouble. We saw that last year against TCU, and they were able to, never able to recover. Uh, 
so I, I think that would be a result in the loss. Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, when you think of Alabama and field goals, historically, that wasn't always their forte, but Will Reichert seems to at least be a, a consistent kicker for them. You know, there's a lot of ifs into this question, but um, if they were to go to the national championship, which of the two Sugar Bowl teams would Michigan most want to play? Uh, most want to. Um, or I'd say who they match up with better. Let's let's put it that way. Yeah, probably Texas. Uh, they they play more Michigan style of ball. Uh, Washington again would be another kind of mobile quarterback, and, and Michael Penix who can get outside the pocket, and extend plays, and 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 make those deep and you know connecting those deep deep shots. Uh, you've also got a couple of four Michigan staffers on that Washington staff. Uh, that I think probably know Michigan a little bit better than Texas. So I, I think if you're the Wolverines, you'd probably rather match up against Texas. I, I think that would be the the the, the ultimate scenario. I, I will say this. If Michigan can beat Alabama in the Rose Bowl in advance, I think their chances to win national championships are very good. I, I think they match up pretty well against Texas and, and Washington, either one. Uh, of the four of the three opponents, I think if you would ask you know, any of us before, I, I think – Alabama would have been the least the least desirable matchup. Even Florida State would have been better. So, um, I, I, either way, I, I think Michigan has a good shot of winning a national championship if they can get by Alabama. But again, it requires getting by the, the Crimson Tide first. Yeah, and you know, last kind of thing from me: what would it mean for uh, you know this season? They, they've put so much into it. They've kind of tried to protect Jim Harbaugh through it. They've kind of tried to preserve this season in so many ways because of how many upperclassmen leaders that they have on this team. Uh, I, I mean, the first bit is what would it mean for this program and for Harbaugh to win a national championship? But I mean, the other side of this is what would it mean to have all of this and lose in the first round again? Yeah, it would mean a lot. I mean, Blake Corum spoke before the season began. It's national championship or bust. And, and, and players have acknowledged that even the last couple of weeks. Like if we lose this game, the season is a is a failure. Uh, a lot of these guys came back for this year, Blake Corbin included, a couple of the offensive linemen, Zach Zinner, who was unable to play in this game. Uh, a lot of these guys came back to, you know, they, they were unsatisfied, right? They, they'd won another Big Ten championship, but they hadn't been able to get over the hump in the college football playoffs. So this really it, it, it is for it all. They, they've got to win this game. They've got to essentially win a national championship. Now, you can make the case if, if they win this game and lose a national championship, there was progress made and they got to the title and everything else. But those guys came back here to win it all, and I think anything less is is would be a you know disappointment. And any any one of them will acknowledge that. Uh, Jim Harbaugh would probably acknowledge that uh, because they've been here. I mean, they're no strangers to the playoff scenario now. I mean, they, they've been here. This is their third time. They know what to expect. Um, they've been through this before. These are this is not an inexperienced team. This is a you got a lot of fifth, fourth, fifth, and even sixth-year guys. Michael Barrett's in the sixth year. Guys who have been here a long time, been through the ringer, know what it's, what's taken, uh, been through the losses, and they're ready to win it all. You know, on a lighter note, you think they'll win the Lowry's Beef Bowl? Are they, do, do they do that for the semifinal? Yeah, they are doing it. I, I you know, I don't know the particulars. I, I think they pick a handful, a, a couple of guys to eat, so I don't know. So without knowing who Michigan's putting up there without, without, <laughs> without knowing the matchup <laughs> it, it's hard to handicap right um i, I yeah. don't know I, so I, I'm, I'm excited to look go i guess we're we're allowed to go let media, me ask you so of, of, of michigan's roster who would you who would you pick as your all beef bowl team for that who, who would be your who would be your champions so i gotta go to the one of the, the lines right so like kenneth grant he's probably 340 he'd probably be a good option um, Drake Nugent, their center, he's undersized for a center. I think he's under 300, but I, he seems like a guy who could eat very well. Uh, so I'd probably, you know, consider him. 
Uh, so I don't know, probably any of the line, you know, linemen. Uh, Chris Jenkins, uh, it's, it's probably a defensive tackle is probably probably good. Uh, I think you can't go wrong, right? Like unless there's some eater we don't know about, whatever. The, maybe the tight ends eat well, Colson Loveland. Uh, but right, like, that seems obvious, right? Going the lines or the bigger guys. Yeah, because competitive eaters, some of those guys are pretty slender. I still remember mm-hmm. the, the when Kobayashi appeared on the screen uh, uh, oh, on yeah. the scene, and everyone was like. That guy? Really? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, we can't wait. Oh, my goodness. It's been wonderful talking Michigan football again with you, Aaron. We know it's it's really busy right now, both on the field, off the field, and everything in between on the Wolverines beat. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, guys. Thanks, thanks for having me. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. It was so nice talking to Aaron again and, and hearing his thoughts on Michigan. He follows the team so closely and has for years. You know, Shahan, what did you what were your takeaways from this? What did we learn? Yeah, look, I hate to say this a little bit, but Aaron kind of backed up a lot of the concerns that I have about this Michigan team. Uh, you know, their issues on the offensive line, their lack of explosiveness, the issues that they might have against Alabama's secondary. I was not, I was really hoping that I'd get a little more optimism (laughs) from talking to him because obviously we've seen this game script get thrown out each of the last two years against TCU and against Georgia in different ways. And Alabama is a team that I think will be able to get them out of rhythm and be disruptive and force JJ McCarthy to make plays. And it is very concerning to me that he's still wondering if J.J. McCarthy is fully healthy. That's been a huge dynamic for this team and some of their struggles the past couple weeks of the year. So I really wanted to come away a little more optimistic about what Michigan is and can be. I, I don't know that I feel that. Now, it was great to get more context on their defense, right? I mean, this is a Michigan defense, especially at linebacker and especially on the se- on the second level that has been exceptional this year, just totally exceptional. Um, and while obviously I do wish that they maybe had the the elite edge setting guys like an Aiden Hutchinson, I think that maybe that would transform this defense. The fact that they play four guys and, and are constantly fresh is a good thing for me, especially when you head into a game where Alabama, you know, look, some players might go down. It's good that you have guys with experience, but uh, overall, I don't know. I, I wasn't personally moved uh, on the Michigan front. How say you? No, I agree. He he deepened a lot of the thoughts I have, which which then, therefore, going into the game, where there's so many mysteries. It's like, well, okay, we're getting the big, we're getting a Big Ten team out of the Big Ten. We're getting an SEC team out of the SEC. So after seeing you know uh, a conference play, you get into this this mindset by the end of the regular season that oh wow, this team is much is so good, it's so great. Then when you throw them out of their comfort zone or throw them against a team, you you find out a little bit of a the the objective question starts to come out. It's a little less um, of the subjective house of mirrors. So both with I mean, it sounds like again the concern is can Alabama, pardon me, can uh, Michigan establish kind of that power running game against Alabama? Um, he confirmed that I didn't get any faith. You know, well, Blake Curham has to play the best game of his life. Well, okay, that that <laughs> it's easy to say that. You know, or some of these guys, you know, like can Donovan Edwards step up? I'm like, you know, he had trouble stepping up against some of these other programs. How is he going to suddenly step up against Alabama? Of course, I don't want to lose perspective about the fact that Michigan has played exceptional defenses several times and in the final stretch of the game. I mean, 
Penn State is still a great defense. Ohio State, still a great defense. Iowa is only a great defense. So all of that together, I'm not sure if necessarily Alabama is going to throw something their way that they haven't seen before. That That is what I'm hooking into to give Michigan's chance because it, the offense isn't the greatest, but it can do enough. And if J.J. McCarthy can't be mobile on his feet, that's one where I'm curious about. Because they're like, well, he just needs to move around much. Well, he's been kind of injured and not really moving around much at all. I don't know what's going to happen between now and then. Um, I know they're not tackling as much in practice, especially to start out this run-up to this particular college football playoff, because they want these guys to be less banged up. But at the same time, I think I wonder how much of it is simply going to be just don't throw pick sixes. You know, as crazy as that sounds, like just control the errors. If he can do that, can this Michigan offense do just enough as they have in the last the last matchups they've had against top teams, um, especially with top defenses? I think that will be enough. But it, there's so many ifs there. There's so much question there, and and the defense is so fascinating. And it, it's weird because Michigan's defense is great. But because there isn't that superstar that we ever we can hook on to, like a Devondre Sweat, like or or as you have mentioned, the past great Michigan um, edge rushers, we kind of don't talk about them as much. But they are the unsung heroes of this this team. I mean, they are the ones that are carrying a thing, uh, carrying the the Wolverines through. And I'm not sure how well they're going to be able to contain Jalen Milrow. I didn't hear anything that made me go other than you know their their weaknesses certainly in that offensive line, and we talked a little bit about that. It's going to be fascinating to see how. They uh, strategize for disrupting the offensive line and getting back there and putting Milrow on the run a little bit. But yeah, I don't, I don't feel any different. Which means it. I, hey, I have a lot. I'm looking forward to this game. This game, I, I mean, but yeah, I couldn't tell you if if I'm going to think Michigan's going to have an edge after that conversation. Well, and, and again, look, we had the conversation with with Matt Stahl earlier this week from AL.com, and he kind of acknowledged this is not necessarily from an interior perspective, an elite Alabama defensive line group, right? This isn't this isn't 2021 Georgia up front necessarily. Now, they do some things on the edge. I think that they have potentially an even better secondary than some of those Georgia teams. But maybe like again. I do have to stay open-minded to the idea that maybe Michigan will be able to stay to their plan, right? Will be able to continually move the ball, will be able uh, to hold on, and and that they don't need to be explosive in order to make it happen. I think for me, and you know, this is probably a question I should ask, is you know, when you look at these Big Ten teams, and I, I hate reducing uh, college football playoff and national championship teams to their conferences because I just don't think that's very helpful. Every team is individual. The, the, the fact of reducing uh, teams to their conference is how Alabama got into the stupid playoff. But at the same time, I, I think that it's hard for me, right? We started, we've, we've played national championship games since 1998. There's only been one team from the Big Ten that's won a title since then. And it's an Ohio State team that I think recruits and plays a lot more like a national type of team than a regional type of team. And, you know, when you look at the Big Ten, right, like, I, I mean, Wisconsin, incredible program, so much consistency, reach such a high level, but there's a cap on it because of what they do and how they want to play. Michigan is better, there's no doubt, than any Wisconsin team that's come through the past couple of years. I don't want to make that comparison, but are they like super Wisconsin, right? Are, are they elite, elite Wisconsin, whereas... Ohio State, uh, you know, during those title years, during 2002, during 2014, is more like Alabama or Georgia, 
right? right? Like, wh- what is the exact uh, vision for this team if it hits this total peak? And, and again, when, when you're playing in the Big Ten, there's not a lot of teams on the schedule, especially that Michigan got this year, that will stress that perspective, right? If you're able to win that battle up front like Michigan is able to do, you can just win the ball game. You can never be pushed off schedule. I just don't know if it works the same way when you play not not just SEC teams, but but teams outside of your conference that obviously have the history of playing different types of football and different types of teams. And I think that Michigan has a big opportunity to, one, prove me wrong, which I will certainly own if that is the case, and two, uh, prove some of the doubters of Big Ten football wrong. But I also wonder if they were to lose this year, uh, I, I don't by any means want to make a comparison to to Ohio State losing three of their big games in a row. But I'm curious if if Michigan goes in and kind of says, we have to hire our version of 2017 offensive coordinator Ryan Day to revamp what we're doing to get us ready for the national stage. And I, I don't know. It's going to be a fascinating dynamic over the next couple of years, whether Michigan wins this game or not. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think, you know, you've, you've drawn some interesting thoughts that we've talked about in the past. You know, is Michigan designed simply to beat Ohio State or can they actually go on and beat teams in the playoff? You know, because, again, sometimes you get so into what it takes to win, especially in the Big Ten, especially if you're in the Big Ten West, like like Wisconsin. But um, when you get them into these kinds of mixed up matchups with with programs that aren't necessarily as as, you know, focused on that, I'd be very curious to see that, you know, as far as a, a reset in the future, this is going to be the offseason that will allow them to do it only because they've got so many seniors on that program. They're going to be an opportunity to change up a little bit of what they do um, if they feel that it wasn't sufficient, especially depending on how the Rose Bowl goes. If it's a close game, you know, I, I think there isn't a whole lot to say about Michigan not being enough. I think that, that we can't take away the fact that Alabama is a great program. I mean, I know you said like, well, it's still the conference. Yeah, they, they just beat Georgia, though. You know, <laughs> Georgia was pretty good. Um, you know, my goodness, I can't wait to see how all of this pans out. Well, I think that's a good spot to wrap this up on behalf of all of us here. We wanted to thank you for listening to the College Football Survivor Show. You know, our guest, Aaron McMahon, he was a chief beat writer uh, covering Michigan for MLive Group. He still does. Um, you can find him there as well as at Aaron McMahon. I wanted to thank our producer, Joey Aliberti. Uh, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on X and TikTok at CFB Survivor Show. He's Shehan Jayaraja. You can find his work at CBSSports.com and at Shehan Jayaraja on X and TikTok. I'm Bob Akayeri. You can find me as part of Reddit CFB on the Twitters. Thanks for listening, everybody. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line.